Welcome to Health System CIO's interview with Pat Voon, Chief Information Security Officer with Loma Linda University Health. I'm Anthony Guerra, Founder and Editor-in-Chief. Pat, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Happy to be here. Very good. All right, Pat, you want to start out by telling me a little bit about your organization and your role? Sure, sure. Um, so I'm with Loma Linda University Health. We are an academic healthcare center uh, in Southern California, uh, in the Inland Empire. So basically, that's uh, just east of uh, LA. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have uh, um, kind of uh, two main business uh, lines, one being the academic side of the house, right? So we have a university, a, a teaching university uh, that teaches medicine. And in practice, we have a number of hospitals as well as uh, clinics across the Inland Empire. And so um, not only do we provide uh, health care to um, the population uh, in the Inland Empire, but uh, we also teach our students, right, in, in practice. Um, and we are a faith-based organization, um, so we... We also include right a spiritual aspect to, to what we practice, um, and I've been with Loma Linda coming up on seven years now um, as actually their their first uh, CISO um, since I started about seven years ago. So uh, been been a lot uh, going on, obviously with the pandemic, and uh, at the same time, you know, trying to help them uh, build a, a formal uh, office of information security. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, there's never a boring day. How, how about that? I'll put it that way. <laughs> that sounds about right from what I hear. Yes, that sounds about right. Do you have a, a research farm? Do you guys do research? We do. Yes, we do a significant amount of uh, research. We get, uh, you know, a number of grants. So, um, yes, we are very active in, in yeah. the research field. Now, we're not leaking any public information by saying that. I'm sure everybody knows no, any no, private yeah. information. I'm sure everybody no. knows you do research. But right. there is a connection I, I hear from many CISOs um, that research uh, versus non-research will change your threat profile. Organizations mm -hmm. that do research have a higher threat profile because there's some nation state bad actors, especially with COVID vaccine stuff. I don't know if it's all related to that, but research certainly uh, gives you a different threat profile. Let's put it that way. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. I would say that that's accurate because, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, what I would consider like proprietary information, mm -hmm. right, that uh, we want to protect. Um, and so, uh, you know, that that was one of the areas that um, I wanted to focus on when we started the infrastructure program, because prior to um, taking the helm as the CISO, um, the focus was a lot about uh, just the, kind of the, the HIPAA stuff, the, the medical uh, business, right? Mm -hmm. um, and not so much focused on uh, even uh, research. Um, now, it may be medical research, but um, a lot of times, you know, we, we de-identify the data for that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I don't think the focus was sufficient enough on the actual research that was being done, right? Uh, the results and whatnot. So uh, we're definitely, uh, we've been looking closer at that and protecting uh, that kind of intellectual property to the same degree 
as we protect PHI, protected health information, right? So right. intellectual property, yeah. So one of the challenges that, that CISOs have is the working in, in an entity, um, even in the regular health system that wants to share information, right? We want to share information and the government is saying you have to share information, right? Certain things you have to do. You have to allow records to move around. Um, I would imagine that's especially acute in research where they want to share information, right? They're doing research. They want to protect it and share it. And this is the classic problem in cybersecurity. We have to allow movement of data, freedom of data while protecting it. It's an interesting tight line. And I would imagine uh, it's it's even more intricate in the research realm. Is that true? But tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, we have to, number one, make sure there are um, sound and complete type of agreements, right, Uh, with whoever we're sharing the data with. Um, And it works uh, both ways, two-way street, meaning uh, if if we're getting data from uh, our other partners, right, that we we have re- research uh, partnership together on, then we also need to make sure we keep that data uh, secure. So it, it's really a two way street. Um, but where is a where it's a one way street? We definitely number one start by uh, making sure that our data use and data sharing agreements uh, are are mutually a- acceptable, right, and meet uh, our requirements. Um, and uh, so a lot of it is um, having a good agreement, uh, a sound agreement that also considers, um, you know, specifying like what kind of um, security uh, requirements, right, um, are expected and required uh, of both parties. So those kinds of things are the kind of nitty gritty that we, we have to uh figure out together um, when we look at these kinds of partnerships, because it is very tricky. Uh, The other part of it also is then we want to make sure we, depending on the length of uh, the research or the study, right, we want to make sure, um, especially if we're sending information to another party, that that party is actually implementing and operating the security requirements uh, that we agreed on, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we can't just say, oh, okay, we trust you to do that. Uh, the good old uh, adage is, you know, trust and verify, right? Um, so so that's that's what we, we look at as well, especially if it's a, a, a you know, long-term type study, right? So is this, is it similar to... Um the dynamic of third-party vetting with a vendor. So let's say you've got a department, you know, separate from research. You just have a regular department and mm-hmm. they say, we love this this software. It's the <laughs> best. It does. We don't have anything like it. And you say, but you have seven apps that do the same thing. They say, no, <laughs> this is the one and we this need it. This is the one, yes, and it's made exactly. by It's made by three people in the garage and they don't know what the words. I'm exaggerating for, for I know, humor. I know. They say, we don't know what security means. Um, so you've got the regular, as I'll call it, traditional third-party risk management program Correct. where you have to vet that, hopefully Correct. earlier in the process. Yep. And 
you know, moderate expectations of your users. And you might have to say, Hey, I need some time here. You know, we're not turning this on tomorrow. We have to look at it. So you've got that there. Is that, is the process of when you're doing research, when you have folks doing research and they want to share data with other researchers Mm -hmm. at other organizations, they say, we want to share this data. Is the process of vetting that entity similar to the process of vetting your traditional vendor or are those I would imagine they're probably quite dissimilar. They're they're very different programs, but there are some similarities there in the sense that I need to review this entity, whether it's a software vendor or another hospital that you're sending the data to. I need to check everything out and make sure everybody's secure and we've all had agreements. What are the similarities and differences there? So the the way I look at that, Anthony, is that um, we have a formal... Uh, IT uh, third-party risk management program, okay? So third-party is inclusive of um, vendors and partners, right? Okay. Business partners or, you know, if it's uh, uh, we're partnering on the research, uh, we do that. So I I would say there are more similarities than, than not. Um, obviously, the terms of the agreement and the contract, uh, that differs. Uh, some in terms of, you know, purpose of use and, and all that. Um, and uh, so I, I'll say it's it's actually more more similar because we, we have to kind of not necessarily um, uh, vet the partner because in most cases, you know, um, we'll know mm-hmm. uh, who, who the partner is and usually, you know, they're the larger uh, type uh institutions like us right and and so it's not a question of like their viability and whatnot right because with the vendors we have to make sure they are financially viable you know they're not going to close shop or sell and you know, sell themselves in you know after a year right mm-hmm. so that is kind of i i think the difference is um be, between uh kind of vendor versus our uh, research uh, partners Right. So if it's, a, if it's a health system, we're not so concerned that they're going to go out of business tomorrow. But if it's a small vendor, we want to check that out a little bit and make sure they're right. So that's I right, think right. what you're so, saying. Yeah. But I, I'll I'll say that we have a core set of uh, questions, right, mm-hmm. that we uh, present to both our vendors. And we really use kind of the same. Uh, there may be one or two things that, you know, we'll say not applicable, mm-hmm. but uh, in general, yeah, we, we have a same core set of questions to make sure we cover all the security domains, um, you know, and and make sure we, they have kind of the right uh, security framework, uh, you know, that that they do adopt and implement. So, what's your process internally? What's your, what do you do? What do you think works? What's your advice for other CISOs on managing internal expectations around time? So, for example, the example I gave you of an internal department, we love this software, we need this software, it's going to save lives, we we want it as soon as possible. I assume you're going to work as quickly as possible to get that reviewed, um, and if things need to be done to that software before you're willing to take it live, uh, then there has to be some back and forth with the vendor. Perhaps, or well, I don't know if your internal user gets in the middle there, to where you're com- con- communicating with your internal user who is then communicating with the vendor or if they step out 
and it's you communicating with the vendor. But I think my bigger question is, you know, you want to satisfy your internal customers while protecting the health system. So what do you do to make that process as smooth as possible? Yeah. So uh, first of all, you know, you mentioned um, a little earlier, and uh, we have a policy at Loma Linda that if we have a current solution that meets, um, you know, about 80% of what you need to achieve, right, to help your business uh, functionally, then um, we, we would recommend going with that solution because it's in place and it'll be much faster um, than trying to look at another solution uh, to add on to our already uh, you know, huge pr- proliferation of applications. <laughs> so you <laughs> mentioned that, right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and that's not sustainable. You cannot have, you know, all kinds of applications out there that basically does the same thing. Maybe one does a little bit more than the other one, but you know, that that's not worth the, the time and effort trying to maintain all of these uh, applications and systems, right? So the way we engage our um, business customers uh, internally is we'll look at that first, right? So we'll say, what is it you know you're trying to achieve, right? We understand you've looked at this technology or solution, and then we will very quickly look through our solutions to see if we have anything that fits, right? Um, and obviously, you know. The, uh, we would explain the benefits of that, like what I just said, right? It'll be a faster deployment and uh, longer term, more sustainable. You know, it's going to cost the company uh, less, right? So we're saving. Um, so we would do that. Um, now, if the solution they're looking for is indeed net new, uh, a number of, you know, functionalities and outcomes they're looking for that, oh boy, we do have an existing solution, but you know, it would take us months, right, to enhance that solution to uh, give you the outcome that you're looking for. Then we need to have that conversation uh, and and a deeper dive with the vendor. And normally, it's a it's a partnership. We call it shared risk, meaning IT will share the risk with the business, right? So we need to take a holistic risk approach um, and and look and and see what the vendor. Uh, can can provide an offer, you know, and of, obviously from a security and privacy perspective, you know, we have that core set of uh, requirements that we will review with them um, and uh, get them to uh, give us a response, right, uh, to to our questions, um, and then we'll dig deeper if there are any um, response that we think requires a little more scrutiny. Um, then we will reach reach out with them. But uh, for the most part, that one, we deal directly with the vendor, right? Uh, the business uh, owner pretty much steps aside, you know, we'll involve them, obviously, and keep them in the loop to, mm-hmm. to say, here's where we are with our right. security review, right? Here's what we're seeing. Uh, no concerns yet. You know, there are one or two things we just need to verify. Um, so definitely communication is key. Um, and, and again, we, we want to partner with the business, right? We don't want to come across like, um, uh, yeah, no, security says, no, you can't proceed, you know, type of um, uh, approach that we want to avoid that, right? 
uh, we we desire, uh, and and I think we've done this to present ourselves as partners in terms of helping enable the business rather than coming across as the traditional, um, you know, security just, uh, you know, are always uh, stopping us from doing what we need to do. <laughs> so yeah. we don't want to be roadblocks, right? <laughs> we we want to be enablers. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's um, helping the business owners understand a risk, right? So we we will highlight maybe certain things that we see uh, we're concerned about, and we will describe you know the risks related to that. But we will also uh, work with them to develop uh, compensating controls or mitigating controls, right? So if there are certain things that let's say a particular security control is preventative in nature, and you know, the vendor can't do it, uh, it, it can't be automated, well, then what's maybe a manual procedure or manual process, right, that we can put in place um, to mitigate that risk. And at the end of the day, um, I, I would have to sign off uh, along with the business, right, um, where there are any exceptions if we have identified sufficient compensating and mitigating controls okay so so it's a it's again it's a shared partnership shared risk wow there's so much there really interesting <laughs> no there's a lot there's a yeah, lot there i know no no I it's know. great it's fantastic so like i have a billion like follow-up questions um okay um the the dynamic you know you talked about the 80 percent Right. Mm-hmm. So 80 percent, we, you know, if if you can get 80 percent from an existing solution, you know, we kind of think you might want to go with the existing solution. Who who is determining who's coming up with that percentage number? Is that I, I don't know if it's I if it's you guys. Is it IT security saying, hey, we took I mean, no, I can't imagine. No, no, no. Uh, this is functional. Right. So. Right. So uh, you're saying to them, here's our suggestion. Mm-hmm. Please take a look at these which we have and we think may be similar. So I'm just right. going to give you the names of these apps that we know we have. If if you think that 80% of what you need is in these apps, in we suggest, we think it would be a great idea if you just <laughs> if, if you just went with that. So what I'm saying is it's very much a we're going to help you have a framework for how we think you should look at this decision. And now you get back to us and let us know what you think. Is that correct? Uh, Somewhat. So we go a a step further, Anthony. What we do is uh, we do just a quick analysis and internally within uh, IT, right? So this is not security specific. So this is overall IT. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have teams uh, that work, collaborate together, right? To, do these kinds of reviews. Uh, and obviously security is part of that team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we would do is say, okay, um, looks like our current uh, EMR, electronic medical record system can actually do this for you, right? And so we would actually schedule a demo with them, right? Because we wanna, well, number one, we would collect kind of their business requirements to understand what kind of outcomes they want. And then we would uh, make sure we 
set up a, a, a demo environment uh, and show them, right? Here are the things that you asked for. Here's how it looks like in our existing solution. And here are the two things that are missing that we can enhance, right? We can um, uh, update and enhance the system to do what you need to do, but it would take, you know, three months, right? Is that acceptable to you to meet the other 20%, right? So number one, they need to confirm and, and validate that uh, they agree that, oh yeah, okay, this, this will meet 80%. So it's not just us saying it, right? Mm -hmm. It's having them validate that this is what we're seeing. We think it'll meet 80% and they'll come back and, and after the demo, they say, you know, yes or no, right? And if it's no, then we need to understand, okay, what, what, you know, what else is missing, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You're not, you're not just going to accept a no. It doesn't no, work. no, no, no. Give us a little more. Why doesn't it work? <laughs> right. Uh huh. Oh, this workflow just will not work, right? Then we would say, oh, okay. Well, we can reconfigure workflows very easily, right? Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, turning off this knob or switching yeah, this yeah. button on or off, right? Right. So. So then they say, oh, okay, well, if you can do that, then yeah, uh -huh. I, I guess uh -huh. you'll meet 80%. <laughs> so that's really, really interesting. And when I hear you say that, it, it makes me think how much clinical knowledge you need in the mm. IT department, you know, mm -hmm. CMIOs, CNIOs, yes. uh, all kinds of clinicians, because otherwise you're not going to have the knowledge necessary for that type of analysis. You just won't. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we've had so many operational folks come and join IT. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and that has been, you know, tremendous, right? And obviously we have a uh, chief medical info officer. He's great, very supportive. Uh, I think uh, since I've been there with uh, two different ones and they were both really, really great partners. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, especially representing uh, the physician community, right? Uh, and then obviously we have uh, a number of nurses that are actually uh, full-time with IT. You know, they, they came and joined us. Um, so yeah, it, I that you hit it uh, on, on, on the nail there, Anthony. You need that kind of knowledge and expertise, right? And the feedback we get from our business owners um, is, oh, we're so glad so-and-so is on your team. They mm -hmm. really understand, you mm -hmm. know, our business and our workflows, right? Yeah. Uh, so that has been tremendous uh, to to help us be successful. Yeah. How how sensitive do you think uh, business uh, the operational folks are to when you make an enterprise argument? When you say yes, we understand in a perfect world this might be perfect for you, but there are some enterprise issues. There's some reasons from an enterprise level mm -hmm. uh, why. If you can get 80% and you can give up that other 20%, you're going to help the organization as a whole. Is there a sensitivity there to that? And, you know, I'm going to bring this book up again. So uh, <laughs> another CISO I interviewed the other day, Phil Alexander, uh, and it just went live on the website if you want to listen to it. Uh, he, there's this book called Extreme Ownership written by a Navy SEAL, and I'm just listening to it now. He recommended it like three days ago. Mm -hmm. And the idea in that book is if you're a leader, and something under your purview isn't working out, look at yourself. Mm. Look at yourself first. And the mm -hmm. context that that came up in is um, 
if you're not getting sort of buy-in, if you're not getting people on board with what mm-hmm. you're trying to do, rather than look at them, you have to look at yourself and say, am I not explaining it correctly? Am I not being persuasive enough? Am I not speaking their language? Right? Yeah. So um, I guess overall in the context of are you seeing a sensitivity to enterprise arguments? Are people saying, okay, that makes sense? Or are people so sort of mired in their world that go, I don't care. I want my 100%. I don't care about your 80%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, you know, that it, it really differs, I'll say, Anthony, uh, for the most part. Um, our, our business leaders are very understanding. Uh, number one, they hear this, what the CEO, the COO, and the CFO are all saying, right? It's like we have to um, watch our overhead costs. We have to reduce even our investments, right? Um, because, you know, our revenues are down. Uh, our profit margins have always been narrow. <laughs> so... So it's like this is the reality today, and 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 let me share with you how tough it is. Even with what I have in my security stack today, I'm looking, constantly looking at new solutions, alternate solutions that can perhaps combine right some of these technologies. Uh, but the idea is being looking at alternate solutions that will help us reduce our costs. Even though they're working, um, you know, as we desire, right? Our, our current capabilities—they're working. It's not that they're not working. It's not that the vendor is uh, performing poorly, right? But out of due diligence, you know, we're being asked. You need to just look, right? And and so that takes up uh, a, a lot of um, uh, my time and my team's time. Because we're going around doing research and mm-hmm. you know reading uh, analysis and papers and and then at some point we'll say okay let's do kind of a, a bake off right for a point of concept uh, I'm sorry proof of concept uh, with maybe a couple of vendors to to see how they perform right mm-hmm. uh, and then it's you know the matter of okay we're going to rip that one out and replace it with this one yeah. <laughs> So, so it's, it's tough. Um, So, but I think in general, going back to, you know, your question about sensitivity, I I think uh, I'm thankful that a lot of our business leaders are very understanding. Okay. Uh, There may be, I'd say maybe one or two that uh, are a little more adamant, but at the end of the day, you know, we provide them with enough uh, data points and as you mentioned, it's important to speak their language, mm-hmm. right? It's important. Uh, and for me, from a security perspective, it's important for me to articulate to them the risks, okay? Uh, if you do go ahead with that, you know, I'm going to go, that be um, putting down in my statement formally when I sign off to say, I don't agree with this, uh, because you know maybe they're not willing to look at the compensating controls, right? So I'll say I don't agree with this unless, right? Those compensating and mitigating controls uh, are in place. Mm-hmm. So that would be my position, okay? As a CISO, I'm not going to sign off on it, right? When I've advised you a certain way and you want to go here and proceed, uh, then I'm afraid you're going to have to take that risk. But 
the good thing is we've never come to that point. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's good. Yeah. Because because when when this goes to the CFO or legal or general counsel, they're gonna say, uh no, we are not gonna take that risk. Right. So even if the business leader is willing to take that risk, um, you know, the overall leadership team, uh senior leadership team, uh has the right to say uh, yes or no. I, I can't even imagine a CEO who would approve a project brought, you know, that was wanted by a department leader where the right. CISO said, I do not recommend we do this. Right. This day and age, that yeah. would be very shocking to me with the <laughs> amount of risk and what can happen. Right. I mean, that would be stunning, right? Yeah, that, that is stunning. That's why I say that we, we haven't faced anything like that, thankfully. <laughs> right. Right. And they, they have to know that. So the department heads who are requesting the software, if Pat, Pat comes back and says, this is a no on my end, mm-hmm. uh, essentially, I cannot support this. Right. I'd be very surprised it. if anybody tried to continue to push it. Yeah. Yeah. No. But but <laughs> what you might want is you might say, hey, you know, I don't, tell me if this dynamic, dynamic happens where mm-hmm. you're interacting with the vendor. As you said, the business user comes uh, to the side a little bit out mm-hmm. of the out of it. You're interacting with the vendor, talking about, okay, here's really what we need to see. Here's what we need you to do. We want to work with you. Our users love right. you, but here's yeah. what we need you to get to. Right. Uh, and perhaps you're not getting either the responsiveness or you're not getting the the engagement. You're not yeah. seeing them wanting to come around. Right. And the business user user reaches out to you and pat pat what's going on we're waiting for that software you say listen it's not me it's not me we're not getting anywhere maybe you want to jump back in since you've talked to these folks and see if you can get anywhere do do things happen like that on the ground sometimes yes so what you just described did happen indeed right and again you know i'm always uh keeping the business uh leader in the loop right so when we're not getting responses or when we're getting responses that kind of write us off and uh, like pretty arrogant and you know right you will tell the business owner that we're going to say hey based on our current interactions with the vendor you know we're not getting a comfortable feeling right mm-hmm. look at their responses here see how they you know could responses you know short right right, uh, right right and and not engaging at all you know those are all red flags right yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. yeah no no you're right uh, we we definitely let bring the business uh, leader in and say, hey, you had the initial relationship. Can right. you help us out here? Right. But right. these are red flags. We will tell them that these are red flags. Right. If you could tell maybe it was a cut and paste job from some boilerplate they have. They didn't really, <laughs> right. They didn't really answer your question. It was like almost a data dump. Like, right. here, go away. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. that's a red flag. <laughs> Pat, it's ama- amazingly, shockingly, we're we're just about at the half hour that I wanted to keep us to. Uh, I'm going to open it up, again, ask for a final thought from you. So mm-hmm. here's how I'll phrase this up. Now, I wanted to ask you about this, but and you could touch on it in your final answer. You mentioned it at the beginning. Almost seven years, your tenure, which is pretty darn good for a CISO, right? I don't, <laughs> maybe not a lot of seven-year tenures. So you're doing something right. You're obviously... Very engaged, very pleasant, very personable. Um, uh, so that's obviously good stuff. Um, what would be your advice to, and, and the way I usually frame this up is to a CISO at a comparable sized health system, 
because mm-hmm. you know you, you can't give advice to somebody with 50 hospitals and and vice versa <laughs> right so right. we got to kind of frame it up as someone with similar resources so what's right. your best right. advice to that individual based on your tenure that things you've found to be successful and helped helped you you know do what you've done what's your best advice to them well uh, i i think you know number 1 is uh, understand truly understand your business risk profile right so um you know look at uh what attacks right um be aware of those uh and then have consistent continuous uh, monitoring on your environment right so well visibility is is key so uh, one of the best ways, I think, to establish a formal uh, information security or cybersecurity program, and I've done this, is number one, make sure you at least adopt um, a common framework, right? So uh, whether it's NIST or, or whatever uh, it is, I mean, like for small companies, I, I've been a consultant, okay, uh, mm-hmm. prior to being a CISO. And Depending on the size of the organization, I could say you just have a light program, right? If you're a small to medium business. And all this means is you need to understand what the HIPAA security and privacy requirements are, right? And um, what are the uh, specifications that are required? What are addressable, right? Make sure you do everything that is required, okay? And that can mean different things because at the end of the day, you know, even the HIPAA uh, security and privacy requirements, they uh, allow you or give you the latitude to manage it by based on risk. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's to the organization's advantage. You don't have to spend millions of dollars, you know, uh, like a large healthcare organization, right? So, and so even where at Loma Linda, I do this by right sizing everything. Number one, understanding. Uh, what the threats and risks are, and making sure I have preventive, detective, corrective, uh, or um, responsive um, uh, type of uh, controls in place, right? So basically layered controls. Uh, From an infrastructure perspective, technology perspective, uh, the whole stack, the whole security stack, right? From a network to your uh, gateways to your um, endpoints, okay? What are you doing there for preventive, detective, corrective, responsive controls or, uh, re- you know, recovery type capabilities? Because with ransomware, that's, that's absolutely, um, as we all know, not a matter of um, if, but when. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's so much to unpack here, Anthony. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can probably go on for, for hours, right? Because yeah. we're talking about a holistic approach uh, in building a cybersecurity program. Uh, one of the things I, I have done successfully uh, that's really been helpful at Nominenda is to build out a rolling three-year uh, security uh, roadmap and strategy, okay? So I lay out uh, a three-year uh, program and, and uh, roadmap uh, strategy, and I'll have um, different work streams that basically cover the administrative safeguards, the technical safeguards, and the physical safeguards, because I have to talk HIPAA, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the healthcare environment, right? Uh, but what I've also done is um, built a program that's inclusive um, of intellectual property, okay? Because prior to 
me being a CISO there, there was like no such program, you know, everybody was doing their own thing. And I mean, they were being very reactive, I'll put mm -hmm. it that way. Okay, so not the most uh, optimized uh, security uh, program. And that's why the CIO said, well, you know, if you develop this three-year roadmap, then, you know, can you come implement it, right? So, and that's how I ended up uh, joining uh, Loma Linda. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so with, with that, uh, that three-year roadmap, right, in one page, in one slide, it's very busy, but you can see uh, where we're headed, where we're at, what we're behind on, right? And so if I need to, to you know, ask for additional resources or, or funds, um, then, you know, I can use that to mm -hmm. say, oh, we are way behind on this one, uh, this particular work stream, right? We need to ramp it up, okay? And here's what I need, okay? Um, and within that slide too, I specifically call out which of the um, capabilities, I don't like to necessarily call them, um, well, solutions, yeah, but definitely not product, right? I right. do not speak products. Uh, right. I, I will say, I, I will give them the product name, right? But they need to understand what is it we're getting out of that product. And normally I like to use the term solution or capabilities mm -hmm. because then I cover not just the technology, but the people needed and the processes needed to support that, right? Yeah. So, so it's a lot uh, to unpack. Uh, but, but I think my advice is make sure you right size yeah. everything that you're putting in, right? Number one, it has to, you have to show that it is reducing the risk. Um, and then you continue to report on how well you're doing or how well you're not doing <laughs> yeah. and what kind of adjustments you need to make if, if, you know, it's not getting the outcome you, you, uh, intended to see, right? Mm -hmm. So, so I think those are all important things. Um, and at the end of the day, it is all about risk management and understanding the, your, your business leaders and their service lines, what their outcomes are and articulating, uh, the risk in their language. You said yeah. that earlier, it yep. has to be in their language, uh, no acronyms, you know, no blinky blinky things that uh, you know they will have no idea they don't understand firewalls you know they don't understand uh, all kinds of uh, technical uh, solutions or products right mm -hmm. that that we may need uh, but you need to articulate it in a, in a way like I mentioned oh here's how it will prevent that threat from happening here's how it would you know detect it and immediately automate, automatically alert our staff, right? So right. very quick response. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's what we need. We can't have attackers come in and dwell in our network and you know move around you mm -hmm. know, in, in our network and, and do discovery. And then you know, we are uh, ultimately going to be exposed and, and breach will occur. So you know, those are the kinds of things, yeah. right? I, I think uh, that would be the advice I, I would give to uh, other CISOs. But, I mean, if you are a CISO, you've been doing this for a while, hopefully. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, for me, you know, I've been doing security for 30 years. Mm -hmm. 30 years. So it's right. like I have all the uh, battle scars. Uh, yeah. Learn, you know, learn from uh, the mistakes, right? And just learn from real world experience. You know, that's invaluable. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I would say uh, stand firm, 
and fight the fight. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's for a good cause, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, even though, you know, our, our attackers uh, oftentimes have more resources and, and, and time, you know, to, to work on, on their attacks, you know, we have to keep pace with them. If not, you know, uh, look ahead and, right. and, and uh, ahead of what they're going to do. So a good example is AI, right? Sure, mm-hmm. they use AI and ML. Well, we can use AI and ML too to, to right. combat and battle that. So then it, it's a matter of who, who has the, the better model and <laughs> yeah. uh, knowledge base around that. Yeah. So. Such good stuff, Pat. Such good stuff. I think people are really going to appreciate this. And it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much. Yeah, no, uh, thank you um, uh, for inviting me and happy that I, uh, you know, I can share uh, kind of my, my thoughts, right? <laughs> All right, Pat, have a great day. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Thanks, Anthony. Bye.